0: Hello there and welcome to Fill Me Up. I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your film discussions. Um we'll start with the uh with the sad news from last week that uh Chadwick Boseman uh died of cancer at age 43. Um he'd had a four year he'd had it for four years, but um since twenty sixteen, but he had got like a full intention of beating it, which is why he hadn't really told anybody. Um so, uh, Chadwick Boseman is mainly known for being Black Panther in the MCU, um, which is kind of like a huge cultural icon, and that film kind of had a massive impact um, culturally, especially for kind of people of the Black community. Um, and it's weird just to think that the whole time that he's been Black Panther, he's had cancer. Like, it's like that is the true embodiment of a hero. Like, he's had to do all this sort of training and all the this, and he's been going to visit kids who have who have cancer and he has cancer himself it's just incredible what he's done and um there's been many tributes kind of pouring out from marvel and from co-stars and just from people all over the world um and there are kind of talks um kind of beginning on how to kind of move on with black panther without him whether they kind of do move on or whatever which i don't know it, you could argue it's too early but i mean uh these discussions kind of have to be made in have to be had, I guess. Um, so as well as being Black Panther, he's also known as uh, being James Brown, the uh, soul singer in Get On Up, and Jackie Robinson, who is the first African-American baseball player in Major League Baseball, and he played him in the film 42. Um, and looking at his filmography, he's actually been in 10 films since 2016 um, and actually has one last one uh, yet to come out and he's got a voice role in the upcoming Marvel What If TV series. Um so yeah like he's been clearly working hard and doing a lot of stuff trying to kind of make sure that he's remembered well um after he's gone but like I say he had a full intention of beating it and he was still kind of really excited about kind of carrying on with the Black Panther uh character. But yeah I think I think he's obviously going to be remembered as a hero of the MCU but I think he's also going to be remembered as being just a, a a real life hero for kind of working so hard and being so strong this whole time that he's had the cancer and kind of because you have to get in some intense you, there's some intense training and you have to get in ridiculous shape for those films so it's just uh, having cancer on top of that and like i say going and visiting uh kids with cancer and kind of being their hero is just it's just an incredible thing that he he's done and yeah he's He's definitely uh, an inspiration to a lot to us all, really. So we'll move on to the first section of the show, which is Alpha Set. And um, last week I did mention that the cinemas were open near me now, and so I have actually taken a a week off, sort of, from Alpha Set. Um, I have called it Set BS for Set to Big Screen. It's not set whatever you're thinking of it's set big screen because we're on the big screen rather than the telly in my room so um the first film that i actually went to watch first film that i saw going back to the cinema was a film called unhinged um this is about a woman who has a heated discussion with another driver and that leads to a road rage fueled rampage that affects her and everyone she knows um surprise surprise it came out this year because it's in cinemas now um, it had a $33 million budget. It's made $21 million so far. Um, but it's probably going to lose money. It does seem like it's a small release from the looks of things. But yeah, it's got a 6.2 on IMDb, a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. But, so it's kind of, kind of average sort of scores. But I give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was really good. It's kind of edgy of your seat stuff and it just never slows down. Um, it's like after the initial 10 minutes of setup... It's tense throughout the whole thing, like, the, the film doesn't let up until literally the last minute, and, like, there's a number of moments of, kind of, brutality and action in this, but, uh, due to the nature of the film and, kind of, how it's, kind of, keeping that momentum up, even those moments, despite they have, like, a big impact and they are, like, a big shock, they don't they're not ever like dwelled on for too long because it's constantly moving on to the next thing and what could happen next sort of thing um but i think it's really well done it's really well shot it's really well paced um it keeps up momentum for the whole 90 minutes which can it can, can be hard to do um like i think it maybe would have struggled if it had gone for longer but i think that they kind of timed it really well and like even, after, even just watching it, you need a breather afterwards. It's just kind of that intense sort of thing. Um, Russell Crowe is in this. He's the big name in this. He's uh, playing. He plays a very good bad guy in this. He's really smart and calculating, and he just doesn't care about the consequences. Uh, despite kind of going on about consequences all the time, he doesn't care about them. Um, but uh, there's not a lot of backstory to him. There's not a lot of reasoning to him. And... Um, But I think that's kind of partly what makes it work. Like the film knows what it is and it, the film knows that you don't need a load of backstory to this character. Like he's kind of a bit more frightening because you don't know who he is. And he's just this kind of unknown entity. He's just a loose cannon kind of just, just going off and doing stuff. And you don't really know kind of what his motivations are or what he's going to do next. Like what he's sort of capable of. I think that kind of amps up the tension. Um, like I say, the action and the kind of brutality in it it's really it's really well done like it it could have easily crossed over into like an eighteen rating, so in the u k it's a fifteen I think it's probably like an r rating like everywhere else or whatever but I think that they hold back just enough on the gore that it pulls it back to the fifteen, but you could easily have put some extra stuff in there and it would have made it an eighteen but I think it's despite holding back on some of that stuff. And kind of being on the borderline, it's still really wince inducing. You still, it's still unexpected a lot of the time because you don't know what's necessarily coming or what he's capable of or what he's going to do. Um, the protagonist, um, I thought they they were really good. They're really relatable. There's no like stupid decisions in it, which like I think is a key thing. Like you're not kind of going, oh, why why are you doing that? Like they they're doing the things that you would think of, and everything that they they do makes sense there is a lot of foreshadowing like sort of in the conversations that i had towards the start and kind of objects coming back into the film later on and things like that and i think it's just well thought out like they everything's introduced for a reason and a purpose like that's a big you'll notice that like over the weeks one of the big things that i kind of like in films is that every scene is there for a purpose either kind of Builds on character or plot or something like that, and because if it's not in there, it's just excess weight, just get it out. And so, I really like it when these things do tie back together and like it does all fit and tie. And, and it's yeah, I think it's really good. um The opening credits are a bit of a depressing one, it's basically looking at kind of behaviors nowadays and kind of like with road rage or and violence and kind of things like that. And it, but weirdly enough, it's kind of a bit contrasted because obviously. You've got this main like driving force of the film in Russell Crowe, and he's kind of like embodying that all that sort of stuff that's mentioned in the, the credits. But like everyone else in the film, all the other members of the public and stuff, they're really kind of nice in a way. Like they're they're helpful and they're trying to um yeah just help our protagonist out in the situation and kind of sympathetic and like like even when you might not expect it like they they still are trying to help out like people that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be kind of helpful are and yeah i think it's really effective um so yeah they uh just do it i we've just got one little fun fact about this one just because uh keeping it uh down on time but the uh this is the first widely released film since lockdown started because of coronavirus so the last film's That were kind of widely released were on the 13th of march and that was bloodshot the hunt and i still believe and so this after even that like everyone was talking about kind of tenet being the big thing to to open uh kind of cinemas again this is actually the first widely released film and it's not a bad one i liked it a lot um i think it's definitely worth a watch and for me it was a welcome reintroduction to cinemas um I didn't actually know that it was the 1st widely wide-release film going into it. It just happened to be the first one that I watched um, that was on my list. But yeah, I'm kind of glad that it was the first one just because it is the first one that was widely released So, yeah. Um, so, the second film I watched uh, is actually a film that was out before lockdown, but I didn't get a chance to see it. And that is Onward. Um, so this is about two brothers who caused mayhem on their quest to see their dad one last time uh it's like i say it came out kind of earlier in the year before lockdown um i think it was actually released on disney plus in certain areas like maybe in the us and stuff but in the uk it's not on disney plus at the moment and it uh, was released back in cinemas which is why i saw it um but i couldn't really find anything about the budget it The only thing I could find basically just said it's between 175 and 200 million, which is quite a lot, really, Um, especially because it's only made 130 million so far. Um, Obviously, the kind of release of it was cut short because of lockdown, and not many people are going back and seeing it. But because it went to streaming, and obviously on like Disney Plus and things, it's kind of hard to say whether, like, it's, like, 130 million is good or not. Like, that could be good because, like, most people have seen it on streaming or something. But then again, people might not have seen it on streaming. You've just sort of no idea. I think it's fairly... Like, I, I feel that it's probably broken even. Like, so it's probably got its budget back between that 175 and 200 million. But whether it's... Yeah, like, I think... Well, like we say... Well, I'll say, like, on numerous weeks, because of marketing, you kind of have to double the budget. So, to break even, you actually have to, it'd have to actually get kind of 300 million, which, um, I don't know. It's really hard to say because of streaming and and whatnot, but you never know. It may, it may do. I think they'll probably keep it in the cinemas. And I think if it's, if anything kind of will make its money back utilizing streaming, it's probably going to be this, right? Um, so, uh, people liked it it's got a 7.4 imdb it's got an 88 percent on rotten tomatoes i myself get it a 7 out of 10 i thought it's a it's a very good but it's a fairly standard kind of fantasy story um so the thing that kind of drew me to this film in the first place obviously it's a pixar film for one so you know that it's going to be a good at least um but It was also the setting. I thought it was a really interesting setting because it's like this sort of fantasy world where technology rules and it's kind of taking over magic and it kind of looks a lot like our world, but it's kind of a bit different. There's kind of lots of great subversion in it, like with old taverns and things like that. And then it's kind of fun to see how like things change because of like fantasy stuff. So like unicorns are like rats in bins and things like that. They've got a dragon that's like a dog. Fairies are in a biker gang. It's kind of a bit... Weird like that, and I, I enjoyed that. Um, and that was the thing that drew me to it. Um, but this film is all about these brothers, um, and they're fun and relatable. They are a little bit stereotypical. The older brother, played by Chris Pratt, um, is kind of a cross between a nerd and a stoner. Um, there's lots of references to a D&D style game that he plays, but you never actually see it being played, which I think is a bit of a shame. Um, you just kind of get told about it a lot and you see like cards and things and you're like ah oh, just just let us watch it for a bit like you maybe could have opened with this fantastical thing and then you, you pan out and it turns out he's just playing a d and d game sort of thing I think that would have been fun um that's probably a missed opportunity in my opinion but and yeah the younger brother is kind of a tim- is the timid one that has no friends but again you you don't get a lot of backstory with him you don't see why he feels like that why he doesn't have friends. Um, like it's like at the start of the film it's his birthday and so like he's got no friends to invite to a party but uh, he's like yeah I'm going to invite some people at school and so he goes and invites them and they're like yeah yeah I'm down for that but then he bails on it and you don't like it seems like he's embarrassed by his brother or whatever but it's just like they were fine with it like I just don't understand um, I mean obviously kind of putting them in those sort of places and making them like that gives them a place to go to with the story arc like gives them a place to start with but i just feel like they weren't massively fleshed out at the start and i feel like you could have spent more time with them you could have done more in the world and in their lives i think because that's the bit that drew me to the film in the first place really um i did enjoy the use of magic throughout it is sort of video gamey in the way that they kind of start off with some basic level stuff and then towards the end they're doing the more advanced things and it's yeah, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the way that they did it and I enjoyed kind of the way that um, the older brother was kind of training the younger one and things like that and it was, yeah, it was really good. Um, I think, yeah, I mean the whole idea and the whole premise of the film kind of going on this quest to, to kind of see their dad again It's kind of, it's a, it's a really fun one and they've got this constant companion which I'm not going to spoil um, who or what it is. Um, makes for some really fun scenes and there's there is some kind of weird but heartwarming moments in it with that companion um but i think overall the message at the end of the film is kind of a really good one and a, it's kind of a, quite an important one kind of showing that a family doesn't have to be this sort of typical nuclear family to work it can have like bits missing but it still works and things like that like um yeah i, I think it's just a really nice sort of thing and um, yeah it's sort of the the typical kind of uh kind of I don't know like good nature that Pixar just bring to their films, which I think is really good um some little uh little facts about it, so there is um a number of uh brands that are included in this film, but they're not actual brands they're brands, but they're uh like have fantasy names with it, so they've got some drinks uh that include cloak that include Cloak and Cola, uh, Mountain Doom and Satorade, which are obviously takes off Coca-Cola, Mountain Dew, and Gatorade, but of, but of course as well, Mount Doom is in Lord of the Rings, so it's, an, it's, a, it's a twofer, it's a twofer. Um There's also a, a centaur at one point playing Prance Prance Revolution in the arcade, which is uh, a rip-off of Dance Dance Revolution, the, uh, the arcade game, uh, which I thought was fun. And also, interestingly, the D&D style game that I mentioned earlier, uh, Quests of Yore, um, that's actually being released as a fully playable game called Barley's Edition. The, that's the name of the older brother, which I think is really interesting. There's a tie-in kind of book to go with it already. But yeah, there's a, a fully-fledged RPG game that's coming out, which would be fun. Um, Overall, um, I thought it was a really good Pixar film with the usual kind of cleverness, wit, and heart to it. But... I, 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 I would no put it up there with the greats in my opinion it's got it had a few little things that kind of it did feel quite kind of tropy at times in terms of fantasy uh, storytelling but uh, it, it was it was a pretty good film overall and now we got on to the biggie the big big biggie uh, and that is tenet um so this is base so basically a man is pulled into an arms war where time is the weapon and it's also the only way to fight it um so this had a this is the Christopher Nolan's n- new film it's got a 205 million dollar budget which is big um i heard it's the biggest uh budget for a where where a, a a black actor has been the lead in it which i think is crazy like what i don't understand that like why yeah, anyway um let's not get into that that uh, let's not get into that all again um they just make more just it doesn't matter who who's the lead in it they should all get the same sort of budgets it doesn't really matter like uh, anyway um so so far it's made 54 million dollars but it has only just come out and this thing is going to have legs so i have no doubt that it's going to make its money back uh, that's going to break even and probably surpass it. Um, there's people going to be going for multiple viewings. It is quite a, it's quite a weird time to have brought it out, obviously, with coronavirus. But um, And the time that I went, I did go midday, but there wasn't many people in. And um, But like I say, this thing's going to have legs. There's probably not that... Well, I think there's a few films coming up, but I don't think there's going to be many. So I think this one's going to have a lot of screens. It's going to be on a lot. Um, and people are going to get more and more confident to go and watch stuff. And I think if something's going to bring people out, this is this is the sort of thing that they will come out for. Um, the ratings on it are kind of are pretty good, uh, not as quite as high as some of his other films. It's got a seven point nine on IMDb, a seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I myself give it an eight out of ten. But it could go higher. I'm going to watch it again. Um, but it, at the moment, it, my gut instinct is 8 out of 10. It's relentless, but it is fantastically clever. Um, to quote a comment that I saw uh, in a post, a discussion post about this, um, they said that this is the most Nolan-y piece of Nolan to ever be Nolan. And for some like myself, that's a good thing. But for those who like to check their brain at the door, it's maybe not for you. Like Christopher Nolan, who's gone all out on this. Um, yeah, it's like this film is so fast-paced. Like it's got a like a nearly two and a half hour runtime, but it's so quick. It's you never really delve into the characters themselves that much, which kind of lets it down a little bit. And they're because they're kind of just instruments to keep the plot moving forward. But it's it's really well done and like the character you know like the characters like you know you, you get the, you know, like, the idea of the characters and you get the idea of kind of who they are and what they're doing and and where they fit into it all and like but the characters are, are kind of i don't know some of them is kind of so fleeting and in it so little because this film does kind of move everywhere it goes all over the world it goes here there and everywhere and it doesn't necessarily give you a subtitle to, to tell you where it is. I think it does right at the start and the initial thing, maybe. Um, but after that, you get nothing, which it's not a bad thing because, like, you, you you should be paying attention anyway, so you should know where you're going because it's obvious from kind of context and from dialogue and stuff. Um, but Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'd help you kind of follow it a little bit. It's kind of the usual thing that people do, um, but most of the time it doesn't really matter where it is does it um and the settings are different enough that it's it works Um uh, so um but yeah the premise itself is really fascinating and i know it's 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 a nolan thing and it's going to be complicated but the actual premise when you boil it down to what it is isn't that isn't as complicated as it seems like it's basically just if something so so instead of time travel it's time inversion and basically, if something is inverted, then it just moves in reverse. So if you reverse it, uh, if you inverted a bullet, um, then you can shoot it if, like out of the wall and back into your gun. Basically, is what it's saying. Like that's an invert. An inverted bullet will go backwards. So rather than going in, shooting from your gun into the wall, it'll go from the wall back into your gun. Um, and if a person is inverted, they will move backwards they will move in reverse but to them it will seem forwards it's just uh it's one of those things it's not that complicated it only kind of becomes complicated when it becomes more complex and kind of when more factors are at play when there's multiple people and multiple objects and things like that um but kind of at that point that's later in the film and you've kind of been paying attention hopefully uh so it does it does make sense um i thought i thought um the action in it is absolutely incredible um it's it's mind blowing like the effects are amazing um like because there's a lot of stuff happening and there's like weird things happening it does look a bit confusing at times but it does all make sense like especially once you get past the halfway point like stuff starts making more sense then um but it's it's just amazing the way that they've done it um i've seen that some reviews have said that the story's straightforward and it's set off. But it's just told weirdly and confusingly. But I don't think it is because, like, it makes sense to me. Because you follow the protagonist played by John David Washington. Uh, Denzel Washington's son, apparently. Um, but you follow him the whole time. And and you follow his timeline. So it does make sense from, like, a storytelling perspective. Like, And it doesn't matter whether he's kind of going, whether he's, like regular or whether he's inverted like you're following him the whole time so i feel like that makes sense to me and like seeing it from his perspective really kind of enhances the film like especially the second half um i think the only real issue that i had with this film is the sound so right from the off the action is blaringly loud like the balance is also off at some points and like, it means that you can't hear some of the dialogue and in a film where kind of you need to be paying attention to what to everything everyone's saying it's pretty kind of bad really um like i've seen a lot of people have said this it's been in, in articles and stuff lots of people have kind of said that the sound and the dialogue's been made it is quite hard to hear but i think there's only a few little bits where i found it hard to hear and i think for the most part it it didn't impact really too much um but yeah i guess if, if you he's struggling, then it might do um but yeah but everyone is kind of everyone that's in this is great like even from the small cameo to by michael kane to what J, john david washington's protagonist and then and robert pattinson has been kind of highlighted by a lot of people as playing like a really good right hand man he's got like competence but also humor and like after seeing this, I'm really excited for the Batman. I'm really excited to see him, kind of, because he plays that sort of rich, slightly arrogant, but kind of you like you get why he is. Like he's understandably arrogant in a little bit, um, not necessarily arrogant, just confident. And like you, like I'm really looking forward to seeing that in his Bruce Wayne sort of thing. Um, yeah, some like some little facts about this. Um, so this film. Despite all the effects and stuff, it only has 280 visual effects shots, which, to put it in perspective, that's less than most rom-coms, which is absolutely insane considering what's on screen. Uh, and this is because most of it is practical effects, and the way that they have, they did this, um, especially because a lot of the scenes and a lot of the action scenes involve inversion, Um, it, they basically... Uh, shot the scenes twice um, with the actors having to learn how to move and and sometimes talk backwards Um, and then obviously because it's action scenes and stunt work the stunts also had to be performed backwards as well which is just crazy it's just it's just mind blowing, um, but yeah, I think it's a overall. It's just another brilliant Nolan film. It, it boggles your mind, but it also blows it wide open, and it's it's just really good. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna go and see it again um, with the family, and I'll probably have to explain to them what's happening. But yeah, it's just a just a fantastic film, and I definitely recommend going to see it. Uh, so we're moving on to uh the film or a film that wasn't um so this is where i talk about a film that for some reason didn't get made uh usually money or control or power or something like that um so in this film we are the film that we are talking about i guess it's not really a film because it didn't get made is it um the project that was cancelled that we're talking about is called torso um So I want to take you back to one of the greatest decades, the greatest decade to have been born in, and that is the 90s. I want to take you back to 1998, um, and comic book writers Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Andrejko created the true crime graphic novel series Torso. Um, It detailed the story of an older Elliot Ness, uh, the lawman that was famous for taking down Al Capone with The Untouchables, uh, and it follows his run-ins with the Cleveland Torso Murderer. Um, so it seems like an interesting kind of little known case of his and seems like it'd be good for the screen, uh, for the big screen, for the BS. Um, Hollywood also thought so, but it took them a little bit to, to realise that. Um, it was eventually brought to the attention of Dimension Films. Um, by comic legend Todd McFarlane. Uh, Todd McFarlane created Spawn, um, the guy with uh, the chains and the big red cape. And he also was the artist for Spider Man in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, where Venom was introduced. So he's kind of credited with kind of designing Venom. Um, yeah, and he brought the, a script uh, that was written by Bendison and Draco uh two dimension films um this happened kind of i don't know late 90s early 2000s but it was only in 2006 that producer don murphy got another producer called bill mechanic involved and in turn he got director david fincher involved so fincher at this time was famous for fight club and the serial killer film seven or set seven N because it's because there's a 7 in it. It's like that uh it's like the third taken film what was that? it was Tac 3N. That that's how you say it I'm sure it is. Or fan four stick. Um I don't know why they do that. I mean it looks stylish but it it you, you're just opening yourself up for being for your film being called Sir 7 n uh, but anyway, uh once Finch was on board, the ball really started to roll. Um, So the idea was taken to Paramount Pictures, who Fincher was already working with on his next serial killer film, Zodiac. Um, Zodiac actually did come out, so uh, you you can see it and that was all about the Zodiac Killer, another famous killer in America. Um, Paramount snatched it up and they got the ring writer Aaron Kruger in. Um, Aaron Kruger has since worked on a few of the Transformers films. And the live-action Dumbo, so not a great track record, but this is before all of that nonsense. Um, Fincher was interested in comic books as a kid, but he wasn't a huge fan at the time. He explained that it was, he was kind of more interested in how somebody said something, like how somebody said something rather than what they said. And you can't really convey that on a written page. You can only kind of... You, you, well, especially not as well as you can in a film anyway. Um, he also said that the adaptation... Uh, will be a bit different to the source material. Uh, he said, Not to take anything away from Bendis, who did an amazing thing, but it's a pretty complete reimagining of it. Certainly from a stylistic standpoint, it will be Bendis's world, but from a story standpoint, it's not just Ness in the moment. It's not a linear chronology. It's an exploded version of it. Um, but, I hear you ask, what is the source material, really, that Fincher was going to stray from? Well, after apprehending Al Capone in Chicago, LNS moved to Cleveland, Ohio and became the city's public safety officer, which is the most boring sounding job ever. It basically sounds like health and safety, doesn't it? Um, while there, uh, dismembered bodies, or more specifically torsos, started to appear Um, because there was no heads or limbs attached. Um, Ness started to investigate with his ragtag team of ex-cops known as the Unknowns. He likes, he likes his little groups. The Unknowns, the Untouchables, the Unthinkables, the, uh, Unimaginables, the, uh, Undescribables. I know it's Indescribables, but we're going with the Uns. Um, and he also while he was doing the investigating he actually started to receive some taunting notes from the killer uh he said that Ness knew the identity of the killer but was unable to prove it um so this actually all took place this is a real because it's a true crime thing it all took place in the uh, comic book or graphic novel is just kind of a a retelling of this story um yeah over the next few years so after uh 2006, when it was originally brought to Paramount, Um, development kind of rumbled on in the background while Fincher uh, put out Zodiac for the studio, as well as the Brad Pitt turns into a baby film, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um, Matt Damon, Rachel McAdams, Casey Affleck and Gary Oldman were all rumoured to star in Torso, but Fincher ensured that they were all just rumours, so but I was going to say rumours do come from somewhere, so hey, I mean, it was reported in a lot of places that these were the names that were kind of going to be in it, but um, obviously Fincher was working on two other films at the time, so maybe not, not much had actually kind of gone on, these were just some names that were sent in emails or something, um, but it has been said that Fincher was hard to work with on Zodiac and the curious case of Benjamin Button and despite the curious case of Brad Pitt getting younger uh, receiving 13 Oscar nominations and winning three Paramount were not keen to stay on the Fincher train uh Rob Moore who is head of marketing and studio executive had concerns over the over Fincher's black and white vision of the film um so he's going to do it in black and white which does echo uh The graphic novel, uh, it's one of the things that they they did have, um, because it was also black and white. Uh, The studios also had concerns over the budget, because Zodiac uh, lost about 50 million dollars on a 65 million dollar budget, and the curious case of de-aging only just made like a 30-ish million dollar profit off 150 million dollars. So, as a result, when it came time to renew the rights for Torso, Paramount decided, we're alright, we'll let them lapse. Um, and Fincher went on to work on the social network, and he received eight more Oscar nominations and three more wins in that film. Um, so, we're now going to jump all the way to 2013, uh, when Bendis and a Drake and Draco, who now have the rights back, um, decided to have another crack at it, but this time they're going for a more indie level. They're going for a leaner Amina film um, and off the back of his film Ain't Them Body Saints uh, causing a bit of a stir at Sundance Festival David Lowry was hired to write and I direct the film uh, discarding anything from the Kruger Fincher project Um I haven't seen or really heard of Ain't Them Body Saints but um, I've heard of some of the stuff that he went on to work on after which included the uh, live-action remake of Pete's Dragon for Disney um, a Ghost Story with uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, who were also in Ain't Them Bodies Saints. Um, and he also wrote and directed The Old Man and the Gun with Robert Redford in it. Um, so instead of having a large production company involved like they had previously with Paramount, uh, Bendis and Andrejko looked to producing themselves um, along with... Um, the company circle of confusion who are behind the walking dead tv show so they work on lower uh lower production stuff um though saying that the walking dead i imagine has one of the highest budgets for a tv show i don't i don't know maybe who knows um maybe i should do maybe i should have looked that up ah it's not interesting is it who cares about the walking dead um anyway uh this version I don't know whether you can hear the rain. It is raining a lot out there. Um, Hopefully you can't. But if you can. Some nice little ambient noise. Um, uh, This version though. Disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, Had no other news coming out of it. The next news. Regarding uh, Torso. Actually surfaced in 2017. When it was reported. That Captain Phillips director. Paul Greengrass was going to direct it. Um, off the back of returning to the world of Jason Bourne with the 2016 film Jason Bourne um, I don't know why I was saying it like that maybe I should every time I refer to Jason Bourne I have to say it like that now It's this is now a rule this is an unwritten rule that I'm definitely going to forget after um, this sentence probably um, so the script for this was going to be written by LA confidential scribe Brian Helgeland um, now you will remember, possibly, if you listen to my the uh, the episode with set L in it um, that I covered, L A Confidential, and I wasn't a huge fan of it, um, but it did get him an Oscar nomination, and he has done some good stuff like Man on Fire with Denzel Washington and Legend, the story of the Quake Qua- the story of the Quay twins uh, with Tom Hardy in both roles. Um, so he's done those things so he's done some good stuff um, so we will give him the benefit, well I was going to say we'll give him the benefit of the doubt But um, so yeah and Paramount uh, were back in the production seat they're back on board, they're back on they're not on the Fincher train but they're on the Torso train um, and they were hoping to turn the graphic novel into the start of a film franchise so they're going all in on this um, they're getting on the the torso train and the hype train um later films in the series would encompass other tales from ness's later life including the formation of the unknowns to take down police corruption um and also the creation of cleveland's first police academy where he taught jiu which is yeah they're, they're things that happened um but it just wasn't to be as the parties couldn't agree on the scripts and how close to the source they needed to stick to. And it all crumbled apart and the rights once again reverted back to Bendis and Andrejko. Um For me, the best shout is Fincher's version. And I think that I would have preferred it to Zodiac. Having seen Zodiac, it's not amazing. It's a bit meh. Especially because, I don't know. I think because it's an unsolved case as well, it's one of those things of like, there's no real conclusion to it, but that's also sort of the case with this film, which, or, it, or I guess would have been the case with this film, but I think with this one, at least you had an idea of like, oh, I think it's this person, maybe. Um, Greengrass also does some good work, and the idea of having kind of further stories with Elliot Ness is an enticing one, so that also might have been good, Um. I think overall, it is a shame that it's not happened. It does sound like a really interesting premise and really interesting story, and but um, and I think the thing with this is Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, um, is probably going to be a bit wary of trying to get stuff made in Hollywood again because, um, Hollywood have actually failed to adapt his other works, aka Goldfish and Jinx as well. So, um, yeah, I he's probably not going to want to go back to that. He spent like. 20 years or something, just being like, no, make it, Some, make something of mine. I mean, he's had plenty of stuff from his uh, runs in Marvel comics has probably come to the films, but, yeah, none of his actual kind of original things has come to fruition, unfortunately. But we'll move on to the last and final segment of the show, and that is... Quick Quickfic, uh, for those that aren't aware, is where I take one of 20 uh, film characters and I shove them into one of 20 film franchises and we'll try and make something of it. We'll try and make a prequel, a sequel, a spin-off or a reboot. Um, we've had uh, Indiana Jones... Wait, we haven't had Indiana Jones and in anything. We've had Mad Max and Pirates of the Caribbean. We've had The Predator in Star Trek. We've had Buzz Lightyear in Indiana Jones. I keep bringing that one up because it's so weird and i liked it um we've had kevin McAllister in jurassic park but we will find out this week what weird concoction we're going to come up with as uh, so first off we need to find out what kind of filmmaking and that is going to be a prequel we're going to make a prequel to oh dear where's 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 it gone hang on so we're making a prequel of jurassic park we have done this before with kevin McAllister. we will do it again with rambo oh rambo shooting dinosaurs i mean this is that that's it isn't it i mean what more do you want goodbye see you later <laughs> no i mean so we've had rambo being in uh i think what had Rambo being in Star Trek. Maybe that was one of the uh, missed ones, because I recorded three episodes last week, and I can't remember which quick fit I got through in the end. Maybe it was Rambo in Star Trek. Who knows? But the main thing about Rambo that I know, having not watched any of the films, is that he was a Vietnam War veteran who was, like, suffering with PTSD. And then he went on a murderous rampage after that, and he got all oily and muscly and shaggy hair. That's what I know from those films. And he maybe attacks some... Uh, takes on a tank with a horse. Or something like that. Anyway. Um, I mean he's shooting dinosaurs isn't he? What more? <laughs> what else is there? Um, maybe he's been on some... Maybe. So. The growing dinosaurs right. Is the thing. Um, But. Well, I was going to say, maybe he's collecting them, but they're growing them. They hatched them. So, maybe there's there's the archaeological thing of, maybe. so maybe, ha, ha ha, ha ha so maybe there's some corporate stuff going on, or there's like a race in order to get this artifact. So, they get the amber with the mosquito in it, uh, that's got the DNA of some sort of uh, dinosaur in it, I think that's how they start it. I can't. Anyway, it's been ages since I've seen it. That film's almost as old as me. Anyway, um, yeah, maybe he, the, he's involved. Uh, he's working on behalf of InGen Industries, and he goes into some sort of... He's like the protection. He's like the muscle in order to try and get the Amber thing. And maybe there's, like, some brutal stuff going on. Maybe they have to... Maybe it'd be a weird kind of, like cultural thing where they have to fight off a load of because the vietnam war is all about um the american troops going and fighting the vietnam soldiers and getting their asses kicked and the despite the vietnam soldiers being less equipped um is how i understand it history buffs maybe just shaking their heads in despair right now but that's how i understand it. so maybe um, you have some sort of similar thing where Rambo has, Rambo is the muscle, and he goes to collect this thing, um, and he ends up um losing people and killing a lot of, kill, like barely escaping with his life from this kind of camp or whatever where the Amber is located, um, with the majority of his people being killed, and he kills a few, and like this, and he's got the PTSD from that. And so then he gets the PTSD from that, and then um, they make some dinosaurs, and then, uh, I don't know, dinosaurs come out. Maybe maybe they're like lizard, uh maybe they're like a tribe that, there must be like a tribe that like worshipped lizards or something, or, or whatever. So maybe they're like, they wear like alligator, like instead of like furs, they wear like reptile skins or something. So then, maybe the dinosaurs get out, and he has to like chase them and hunt them in order to protect people. But he keeps having flashbacks to potentially murdering the murdering these innocent tribes people, and he's like struggling with it. But then he just goes on a mad rampage and just kills all the dinosaurs anyway. Maybe that's it, and it's like the first go round because they can't kind have of got it right, like. Well, I mean, they didn't get it right, did they? In Jurassic Park, it went wrong, didn't it? But maybe it went wrong before that as well. Um, and yeah, he, and he just goes, and they get John Rambo, in, and he just goes mental and just shoots a load of them. And maybe there's some still some corporate espionage going on, and people are like, "Well, we wanted to get that Amber too, and we've come to collect it." We've, we've gone and let out the dinosaurs and caused havoc and you we're we're coming in and shooting people up as well and so you've got an attack on two fronts and John Robbins is like I'm going to kill you all, maybe that's what you happen, well maybe that's what happens and then they go and then they have to go back to basics and they have to go let's start again and then you just cut it and then uh, Richard Attenborough is just going push, push on the little leg um, yeah, I don't know, maybe that's the untold story of the first Jurassic Park that didn't happen um, I think that would be fun I think it'd be fun to watch. I'd watch that. I'd do that. I think that might be better than any of the uh, the sequels that have happened. Maybe. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't write them. Anyway, that's uh that's uh that's a that's a thing. We did the thing, yeah. Good stuff everybody, well done. Give you give yourself a pat on the back. Um thank you very much for listening. Um if you want to contribute, if you would like to, um I don't know right into this nonsense and go yep that was good or that was bad um or if you'd like to suggest anything or like to talk about any of the films if you like if you've seen tenet and you were like it, it was too noisy for me or i didn't get it do you want, can you explain something to me i can explain it to you possibly um i don't know if you've got any other quick fix that you uh would like to see um yeah um please let me know um you can do on twitter at alloutwalker or on email at film me up pod at outlook.com uh yeah if you follow me on twitter you will uh i didn't put one out this monday because i wasn't really sure what films i was going to be it depending on times and things but uh usually i will post a little thing on the monday just to let you know what films i'm covering for alpha set so next week it will be q so I, Which is going to be a tough one, but I will. I, I'm gonna do, but it, do it. We're we're doing it, and I will let you know what films I'm doing next Monday on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to follow that, then you can do when you will be able to watch the films along with me, or not because I try not to uh, spoil them as much as I can. Um, so it's up to, completely up to you. Um, whether you do or not. And before I forget, um, if you could uh be a darling and tell a friend or and or post a review uh online uh on kind of wherever you listen to your podcasts um especially a five star review would absolutely help me out um because it's the way that the cookie crumbles it's the way that the internet works it's the way that the world goes around you need those five stars baby um So yeah, Uh, thanks once again for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.